This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Luke chapter 2, we'll be rereading a few verses from that chapter in just a couple minutes as we consider this morning the joy of Christmas. The joy of Christmas. And actually, we're going to end up looking at uh, more than just Luke 2. We're going to look at, uh, briefly look at maybe all of the popular Christmas passages this morning, or at least three or four of them. And we'll be attempting to summarize or synthesize their basic message. And uh, we'll see, hopefully, Lord willing, the great joy that God offers to us, to each and every one of us. So Luke chapter 2, please, and we'll pick up there in just a few minutes. As you know, the Christmas season is commonly considered a season of joy, and yet it goes without saying that there are so many in our world who lack joy who lack true joy and happiness. So where can they find it? That's the question before us this morning. Where can true joy and happiness be found? Where should people look for joy? Well, first, let's start with where they shouldn't look. They shouldn't look to the world. More specifically, they shouldn't look to secular philosophy or secular psychology for the path to joy, the answer, the hope of joy. They shouldn't look to the mental health profession to be even more specific. They're unlikely to find much help there. And uh, listen to this. Uh, This morning, I'm going to summarize for you an article that I found online recently. It was written by a secular psychologist, no doubt an unbeliever. This was a, this is a mental health professional, someone with a PhD who offers professional counsel to people who are struggling with anxiety and depression and other problems. And this article was written basically to give people the recipe for happiness during this time specifically of global pandemic, during this time of coronavirus lockdowns. It was written, this article was written because many people uh, in our country, across our world, apparently have become very glum, even depressed because of the lockdowns or because of their fear of getting sick perhaps their fear of dying from the virus. And so this article that I'm going to summarize for you was intended, is intended to offer a solution to their unhappiness, to offer them hope and joy. And again, this is coming from a mental health professional, a secular psychologist. So listen to this this advice, this uh, recipe for happiness during this time of of pandemic, and uh, you tell me what you think 
about this advice. Again, the question is, the question this article seeks to address, what can Americans do to find happiness during this time of pandemic and lockdowns? First, this psychologist says, ask what made you happy before the virus struck and then do more of it. Okay, so that's the first step in this recipe for joy and happiness. Whatever used to make you happy before COVID-19 came, keep doing that. Keep pursuing your old hobbies. Keep watching your old, you know, your favorite television shows, your favorite movies, go back. Keep following your favorite sports teams. That's step number one. Second, remind yourself of all you have to be thankful for. Pause. Sounds like maybe good advice so far, but, but keep listening. Specifically, this psychologist continues, make a list of things that went your way during the day. You may discover that the good outweighs the bad. So in other words, you can only be happy if things go your way, and only if enough things go your way such that the good outweighs the bad. If things don't go your way, I guess, then you, you can't be happy. Third, treat yourself, especially first thing in the morning, something indulgent to vary your daily routine, like a new breakfast recipe or, or coffee creamer or a spa-like shower instead of your normal five-minute rinse-off all designed to start your day off with a positive outlook and spark. Okay, so the, the secret to joy is self-indulgence, I guess. Treating yourself, pampering yourself. Here's the fourth thing on the list from this article. Use any pent-up energy to your creative advantage. Do something new creative, to distract yourself, to draw your mind away from what is troubling you. Ah, so there's the answer. We need to be distracted from reality. That's the secret to joy. We need to dissociate ourselves from reality. And, and that's humorous to me because dissociation is one of the so-called disorders that the mental health profession purports to treat, and here they seem to be encouraging it. Anyway, number five, and uh, final, the final step here in the recipe for happiness from this article, schedule time to worry, because you're gonna do it anyway. If done correctly, this will help you worry less. Structure is important here. Pick a 20-minute time slot during the day, and during that time, write down everything that worries you. And then, when 20 minutes is up, snap out of it. Your allotted time is over. So there you go. Try that out next time. You are really anxious about something. Pick 20 minutes, and then snap out of it. You're done. You won't worry for the rest of the day. I guarantee it. So what do you think about this recipe for joy? Does this sound helpful? No, not at all. Of course not. 
And as a side note, we all know that happiness can be fleeting. But what about true and lasting joy? Where can people find real joy? That's the question before us this morning. And of course, there are, there are several passages of scripture we could turn to at this point to answer that question as far as where we can find joy. We could look at a number of passages in the Bible, but since it's almost Christmas, I figured we'd look at a Christmas passage to answer our question. Where can true joy be found? Let's uh, read again Luke chapter 2. We've already read verses 1 through 11 this morning. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up in verse 8 just to recapture the context. We see in verse 7, the Lord Jesus has been born. And then verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. Here we see an announcement of joy, tidings of joy. And by the way, the word tidings in verse 10 means news or information. So this is news of joy, and not just joy, but great joy, which is for all people, for everyone. But why this joy? What's the basis for this joy? What's going on here in Luke chapter 2 in those fields 2,000 years ago among those shepherds and in the nearby city of David? What's going on? What's the basis for this joy? Well, of course, we see the answer to that question in verse 11. A Savior, Christ the Lord, was being born in the city of David. And for those of us who've been saved for any length of time, who understand the significance of what's being announced in verse 11, we understand the joy that's inherent in that news, in those tidings. But we want to go a bit further this morning and perhaps dig a little bit deeper because if you were one of those shepherds in that field 2,000 years ago who heard the angel make that announcement, you might, you might want more information. I'm not sure. Perhaps some of those shepherds knew their Old Testaments very well and immediately grasped the significance of the angel's announcement. But perhaps there were a few who did not. Or perhaps there were a few younger shepherds among them, some of their sons, young boys, uh, who were intrigued and who wondered about this Savior, 
this Christ, and they wanted to know more. And perhaps there's someone listening this morning uh, via the live stream who wants to know more about these tidings, about this great joy. And so this morning, we're going to look at a few other familiar Christmas passages to kind of help us fill in the blanks, to see what additional information they reveal about these, about these tidings and about this, this great joy. And as we consider these other Christmas passages, we will see, Lord willing, that they reveal three reasons, at least three reasons for great joy. First, we'll see the promise of God's pardon. Second, we'll see the promise of his presence. And third, so God's pardon, his presence, and his peace. Three Ps for you this morning. Some of you appreciate those, that kind of alliteration. It helps you follow along. Others are annoyed. But uh, three Ps this morning. God's pardon, his presence, and his peace. First, let's notice the promise of God's pardon. These tidings involved the promise of God's pardon. And we actually see a hint of this in Luke chapter 2 in verse 11 with the reference to a Savior. But verse 11 does not elaborate on the nature of the salvation that's hinted at. So let's go to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 in your Bibles. And I'll give you a moment to turn there. Matthew chapter 1, and we will read verses 18 through 21 to learn more about God's pardon. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public, public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Stop there and hold your place. We're going to continue there in just a few minutes. But first, notice verse 21 again. Mary would bring forth a son who would be named Jesus. And uh, by the way, as Brother Tavis Long taught us uh, so well last week in the Sunday school hour, the name Jesus means Yahweh saves, or Yahweh is salvation. So Yahweh, or Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God of the Old Testament, He saves. 
He is salvation. But what is the nature of this salvation, you might ask? Well, the second part of verse 21 tells us, He shall save, that's referring to Jesus, He shall save His people from their sins. Here we see God's pardon, His pardon for sin. God's people, verse 21 says, can be saved, can have their sins pardoned, forgiven, because of Jesus who came to save us. And that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. That's a reason for great joy. Because the wages of sin is death. The penalty for our sin is death, eternal death eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Alone, isolation in the darkness of hell forever. Eternal isolation, eternal misery. Nothing to look forward to ever except continued misery and torment. That's what God's word tells us is the penalty for our sins. And we're all sinners, right? We're all guilty and deserving of this punishment. And so this news that we can be pardoned, that we can be spared from that eternal death sentence, that news should bring us incredible joy. The question, though, is, can you be counted among his people? Remember, Matthew 121, the second part of that verse says, Jesus shall save his people from their sins. He shall save, shall save his people from their sins. What a promise. But are you one of his people? And if you're not sure, you can be sure Today, you can call upon God and ask him to save you from your sins based upon what Jesus did for you on the cross, dying in your place to pay the penalty for your sins. And if you'll do that this morning, you will receive God's pardon. And what a reason for joy that would be. And for the Christian who's listening this morning, you know that you're already saved. You know you've already been pardoned. But are you rejoicing in your salvation today? You know, sometimes I think, and I've thought about this often, that we would be helped as Christians just to stop and imagine hell just to imagine spending eternity forever alone in complete darkness, isolated from all other human contact, in total misery. Can you imagine the crushing depression that would immediately, never mind the flames, can you imagine the, the crushing depression that would 
overtake you and would be there for the rest, for, for all of eternity, as you realize that there is no hope for you, that you have nothing to look forward to ever except misery and darkness. Again, I think uh, as believers, it would do us well occasionally to pause and consider that, consider what Christ has done to pardon us, to spare us from that eternity and just rejoice. That should just cause us to absolutely rejoice and praise God. We have been pardoned. So first, we can have joy because of the promise of God's pardon. And then second, we can have joy. Number two, we can have joy because of the promise of God's presence. The promise of his presence. Let's look again at Matthew chapter 1. Perhaps you're still there where we left off just a few minutes ago. We stopped at verse 21. Let's read now verses 22 and 23. Verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. At that first Christmas, 2,000 years ago, God, God himself, came down as a man in the person of Jesus Christ. Truly, God was present on earth with his people. Referring to the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Apostle John wrote, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And not only did Jesus Christ walk on earth, for 30 some years before being crucified for the sins of mankind. But as he prepared to ascend into heaven, he told his followers, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And indeed, since that time, even today, followers of Jesus Christ are indwelt by his spirit the Holy Spirit of promise. Truly, the prediction of the prophet Isaiah concerning the virgin and Emmanuel has been fulfilled. God is always with us through Christ and his spirit. And he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. In fact, of all the truths that the Apostle Paul preached during his ministry, it was this truth that he considered perhaps uh, the most amazing of all. He called it a mystery, Paul did, something unrevealed in Old Testament times, the mystery of Christ in you, in me, the hope of glory. 
Colossians 1.27. And of course, when a believer dies, what does the scripture teach us? Absent from the body, present with the Lord forever. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. You know, as, uh, as Christians, as God's children, we are never alone. We always have God with us, always. We always have his comfort. We always have his power. We always have his joy, the joy of his presence with us. But many in our world today, as you know, are lonely, they're fearful, they're hopeless. But again, as Christians, we never have to feel alone because we have a God who will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us, even unto the end of the world. And what joy, what amazing joy that should bring to us. In fact, Psalm 1611 says that in his presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. Have you ever stopped to ponder that verse? I, I like that verse. I, I go back to it quite a bit. Uh, and while this, this verse, Psalm 1611, the middle portion of it, while it points ultimately to the perfect joy, perfect and unending joy of heaven, we can begin to experience that joy now here on earth to the extent that we draw nigh to the Lord and maintain closeness with him. And so Christian, if you're not experiencing that joy today, perhaps it's because you've, you've distanced yourself from your God by ignoring his word. You know, we hear a lot about, we've heard a lot about distancing these days, right? Well, we don't want to distance ourselves from God, and yet many Christians do. They do it by spending hours a day on social media or spending hours a day watching the news, and meanwhile, they spend only minutes a day in their Bibles, in the presence of God. By contrast, I'm sure many of you who are listening to me this morning could share, test, could share testimonies of just sweet and wonderful times of fellowship, of joy during your quiet times with God. In fact, some of you could point to specific places and specific memories. You remember that time when you were laying on your face on your bedroom floor for those few hours alone with your God in his word. You remember the sweetness of fellowship, the joy that you experienced. Again, I'm sure many could share those testimonies here this morning. But we don't enjoy we don't enjoy that kind of fellowship when we're too busy or when we're in a hurry or distracted by all kinds of things. 
fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's, let's slow down. Let's draw near to God. Let's study and meditate in his word. And as we do that, as we come into his presence daily, Psalm 1611 promises that we will experience his joy. Third, third, we can rejoice today because of the promise of God's peace. The promise of his peace. Please turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. This is a Christmas passage from the Old Testament. A familiar passage. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon a throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. One day, the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, will reign from Jerusalem for 1,000 years, the millennium, the millennial kingdom, 1,000 years of perfect government. And then his reign will continue from the new Jerusalem, on the new earth, for all eternity. And we will be there. We will enjoy, if you know Christ as your Savior, if you know the Prince of Peace as your Savior, you will enjoy this perfect peace, the perfect peace of his kingdom. You know, there's another Christmas passage that speaks of this kingdom. This is our, our final passage for the morning. Let's turn there. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 also speaks of this same kingdom, this kingdom of peace. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 31 through 33. Actually, I'm going to pick up in verse 30 of Luke chapter 1. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know, Christian, the next time you're, you're feeling a bit despondent or just a bit... Uh, a bit uh, blue or glum or whatever the word is, 
for whatever reason. Think about these passages and try to realize that this is your future. This is your eternity forever and ever. Perfect peace, perfect joy in Christ's kingdom. And it will never, ever end. And you know what? We're, we're this close to it, right? If you think about all of eternity, if we could somehow wrap our minds around that and, and fathom and measure all of eternity and compare that to our 70 or 80 years here on earth, we're just a few seconds away, less than that, from all eternity, perfect peace, something to consider the next time, and we all have those periods where we're feeling a bit down, consider the peace that awaits us in Christ's kingdom. No more sickness, no more pain, no more death, only peace and joy forever. Clearly, there's an absence of this peace in our world today. There are conflicts, there's fighting, there's disease, sickness, there's abuse, exploitation, violent crime. Even in our beloved America, which is still the greatest nation on earth, there is increasingly little peace. Instead, there's hatred, deception, scandal, thievery. There's increasing violence and mob rule in our cities. There's the fear of sickness and pandemic. These are unsettling times. But praise God, there's coming a time when we will enjoy perfect peace forever. And nothing we've ever experienced on earth will compare. Um, and so in one sense, other than reading scripture, reading those passages that speak of the millennial kingdom, and there are many in the Old Testament, and uh, the eternal state, it's almost hard, it's almost hard to grasp this. There's, there's nothing in our frame of reference that uh, even compares to the incredible peace that we will experience. Even as I try to maybe imagine it, even idyllic Mayberry uh, won't compare, not at all. You remember Mayberry, don't you? Addison shared with you on Wednesday night that he likes Star Wars, right? Well, I like the old Andy Griffith show. And um, you remember Mayberry, it was a very nice place. It was a very peaceful place. Uh, Andy Taylor, the sheriff, he didn't even need to carry a, a weapon. It was such a safe and peaceful place. There wasn't a whole lot of trouble, except when Otis stumbled into jail or when Ernest T. Bass decided to come out of the hills and start throwing rocks through windows. But even a place like that won't compare at all. Christ's kingdom will be a million, no, a, a billion, a trillion times better. And it'll never end. So rejoice, Christian. 
child of God, rejoice this morning. And so, turning back to Luke 2, the uh, passage where we started out, as we consider the message of Christmas, as we consider those good tidings that the angel announced to those shepherds, and as we consider the great joy that was inherent in that message, and as we ask the question, why specifically this joy? What's, what was so joyful about that announcement, about those tidings? We realize that that announcement carries the promise of God's pardon, the promise of his presence, and the promise of his peace. And all of these promises as we see from verse 11 of Luke chapter 2, are wrapped up in the babe of Bethlehem, in the person of Jesus Christ. It reminds me of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 20, which says that all of God's promises, all of them, they're all yes and amen through Jesus Christ, because of Jesus and as we consider these promises, these three truths that we've gleaned from these Christmas passages, it's, uh, it's interesting. We almost see them, we almost see all three of them in seed form in verse 11 of Luke chapter 2. Uh, first, we notice the word Savior there in verse 11 of Luke 2. We see that word Savior, and we think back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where it spoke of Jesus, who shall save his people from their sins. There's the promise of God's pardon. Second, we also notice the name Christ in Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The name Christ, that's Christos in the Greek, HaMashiach in the Hebrew. It refers to God's anointed, his Messiah who God had promised would come into the world. And so we think of Matthew 1.23 and the term Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilling that promise of God with us, the Messiah, the Christ. And then third, we notice the term Lord in our original passage, Luke 2.11 we see that term and we think of Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. We think of Christ. We think of the Lord Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace who will have the government upon his shoulders and who will rule over the most just and righteous kingdom the world has ever known, fulfilling God's promise of peace. And so, again this morning, God's pardon his presence, and his peace. Three reasons for joy this Christmas and every day all through the new year. And so in closing, in closing, if we were to, uh, if we were to revisit that uh, bad counsel that we received from that secular psychologist in that article that I referenced at the beginning of the sermon, you may recall uh, her, uh, and for anybody who's joining us late, uh, I reviewed a, uh, an online article that, uh, you know, purported to give the recipe for happiness. Uh, again, written by a secular psychologist, an unbeliever, an unbeliever. Recall her advice basically was 
to sum it up, distract yourself from reality, coddle yourself, pamper yourself, indulge yourself, and then schedule time to worry instead of worrying all day. That was her recipe for happiness. Bad advice. How about this instead? And of course, this is a message. These are tidings that we need to continually be preaching to ourselves and then also sharing with our friends and neighbors. The good tidings of God's pardon for sin that we can have our guilt and shame erased, our sins forgiven. Of his continual presence, his presence with those who know Jesus as Savior and the comfort and strength that come through his presence, the joy. And then third, the everlasting peace that we will enjoy when Christ rules on his throne. What, what a message of, of joy. Praise God. Praise God for everything that he has promised to us. Bow with me in prayer, please. Lord, we do thank you this morning for the joy of Christmas. Lord, we're thankful for the pardon for sins. We're thankful for your continual presence with us. We're thankful for the total and absolute peace that we will enjoy one day in your kingdom, all because of your grace, because of your love for us, because of Jesus. Father, we praise your name this morning. We're so thankful for how good you've been to us. And we pray that you'd help us to remember your goodness, to praise you for it, to be joyful as you command us to be, and then to share these good tidings with others. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.